everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Bill, how are you? I'm doing uh, actually really well. Uh, I saw an incredibly good film yesterday, Steve. I went and saw Annihilation, uh, which has already flopped at the box office. Is that a Cloverfield movie? No. Oh, well then I don't need to see it. <laughs> well... I mean, you can watch it outside of the country as it gets dumped on Netflix, but it, does, it is getting a theatrical run in the United States. Oh, it's really being dumped on Netflix outside of the U.S.? Uh-huh, and which international audiences are really kind of pissed about that, because, you know, after seeing the film, this is definitely something that should be seen in theaters, not something that should just be watched on your television screen. And the Paramount's is dumping it. I guess from my understanding, uh, one of the financial backers of the film, like, when the film first had a test audience thing... They didn't like the film. Uh, it was the, and the, the the financial backer at Paramount was like, "Oh, we need to, this film's too smart for movie going audiences." Too smart. So, but the producer stuck behind Alex Garland, the you know, director of Ex Machina, now apparently Dread, uh, <laughs> on the film and wanted to, like really defended it. So, what got released, you know, is the film that they wanted. So, but because the classic Hollywood, oh, you you want to fuck with me? Well, I'm gonna fuck your movie over. So it's kind of that. That's, I mean, that's probably why it had the release window of coming out a week after Black Panther and, there, and the whole it just being dumped outside of the United States on Netflix. Which is, that's terrible. That's oh, this movie's so incredible. This is, uh, this is right up there with Arrival as far as, you know, a great hard science fiction film. That is a really good, like, sci-fi horror film. Mm-hmm. Like, phenomenally good. De- right up there with many of, like, you know... The, the ilk. Rachel for Rachel's equation is like uh, um, Event Horizon. Event Horizon's like a really good sci-fi horror film. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's not so much hard sci-fi, but it's always like presenting sci-fi elements and then presenting like up straight in your face horror. That's her go-to example, which I thought about. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but you know, we both, uh, me and uh, her and two other people were in the theater yesterday to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it was, and it's, and, I mean, um, I'm just going to direct everyone. Uh, the Red Letter Media uh, episode on this movie came out today. Most of the discussion that they have in that is most of my thoughts. And obviously, if you, they've both seen the film, so I would recommend going and checking that out after and see the film. Please support this film because I, I will read it here. We've said a million times. We get all these people online all the time. Uh, how come there aren't any like good original movies anymore? Excuse me, I need to go watch Black Panther for the sixth time. For the seventh time. It's like in... This this is a really good movie, Steve. And it's not even going to make back its budget of $50 million. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll check it out eventually. I Yeah, I mean, if you can make time to see it in theaters, do that. I mean, I, as long as people I'll try it. to make time to see it in theaters, but the next couple weeks I'm kind of busy, and I don't yeah, know how long it's going to be in theaters based on everything that you're saying. Yeah, this weekend there's like that, uh, I mean, I, I say I want to see smart movies in theaters, which I go see them, but at the same time, I'm going to go see that fucking Hurricane Heist movie that's coming out. Yeah. You seen a trailer for that fucking thing? Nope. Oh my god, Steve, a hurricane is hitting, like, Florida, and these guys are going to rob, like, a Federal Reserve... And so there's, they're trying to rob this place, 
while a hurricane is hitting this this town and it's like cartoonish like natural disaster level hurricane oh, of course it is and they're like driving like semi trucks they're getting blown away in the wind and like this this lady is in charge of safeguarding the money like she has like they have to get her cuz she has like a thumbprint thing to open the door she's like this cool like tactical like SUV SUV thing that like nails itself down to the ground at points. I mean, this trailer is bananas. This movie looks dumb. Like, a good time. Like, I'm going to go watch <laughs> this movie and have a blast. Uh, I was hoping that they were stealing a hurricane when you said hurricane heist movie. No, that was that was Geostorm. Oh, you're right. That's Geostorm. That's the one where, like, hackers are hacking, like, global weather systems that they developed. <laughs> so stupid. I didn't see... That movie is also really dumb. But not, like, in, like, a cornball... M- kind of way where i wanted to go see that this film the trailer is like they know what they're making is a dumb as shit fucking movie and they're just going for it so i'll see that stuff but i still at least go out and support good films good smart hard sci-fi films which you people should too so you should uh you know want, want better cinema not just oh this is this week's hype beast movie let me yeah. just go check this out and shove popcorn in my face perfect because you can go watch smart movies that challenge you and still shove popcorn in your face. I did that. Mm, I don't want to do that. Well, you, fuck you. If you popcorn get... movies are bad, why is popcorn so good? Well, shut up, Steve. Here's your ticket. Go see Black Panther for the 15th time so you get nominated for an Oscar. Oh, because it deserves Best Picture. Can we, can we like stop this train real quick? Choo-choo. Guys, come on. Black Panther is a perfectly fine movie. Can we just stop every time that there is a adequately good comic book film in the sea of just really staunch mediocrity anymore that we go, oh, this has to be an alley for a Academy Award. It's so good. It's so good. Ugh. Steve, it's going to get nominated for Best Visual Effects. Yeah, I said that as a joke, but I think you're right. Like, no matter what else comes out, it's going to at least get a Best Visual Effects nomination. And I'm just going to just put my face in my fucking hands at that concept. Yeah. Uh, speaking of movies I watched, I watched a new one. I also watched an old one. I picked up the Arrow video release of the uh, 85 film Crimes of Passion, starring Kathleen Turner and Anthony Perkins. Okay. Uh, this film is right up my alley. It is sleazy. It is... Um, thriller-ish it deals with sex and anthony perkins is just like a sex crazed uh psychotic preacher with a dildo that it has razor blades on it Ooh, man this film is sleazily extreme but really like great sleaze like compelling storytelling and oh that's cool compelling characters it's beautifully shot great soundtrack but it's still dealing with hookers and like you know all this sort of like sleazeball shit like cigarette smoke is pretty much everywhere neon lights well it should be this is it's it's a bill film so check that out it's uh i think it's not too hard to get but if you want the best quality the arrow video release is available but i understand not everyone always wants to drop that money i think you can rent on amazon that's cool so check that out good times uh, watching it reminds me, it's like, you know, it sucks that Anthony Perkins, after Psycho, really got typecast, never could play anything besides those type, those type of roles. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he's so fucking good at those roles <laughs> that I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you, man. I would have loved to seen you get better work, too, like as far as like more diverse work. Uh, but you're great when you're just fucking a loon. Mm-hmm. And I have a good time. And uh, Kathleen Turner has never looked hotter. Than she did in this film. Uh, Jessica Rabbit excluded. There you go. 
because she's uncredited in that movie, from my understanding. That's I looked at the IMDb recently because I was like, oh yeah, you know, I like Kathleen Turner. I haven't seen a ton of her stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I knew Jessica Rabbit. I didn't know. According to IMDb, she's uncredited as Jessica Rabbit. Interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. So, fun fact. Surprising fact, really. So, uh, that's been my week. Uh, Steve, how you doing? Fine. Doing fine? Yeah. Not, nothing much going on. Um, uh, part of uh, my washing machine broke. But I looked up what it was, and I fixed it with my own two hands, like a big boy. Like a big boy. Like a big boy. So that was pretty swell that I was able to do that. Because as soon as it initially happened, I was like, well, fuck, time to just throw this fucking house away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and more Xenoblade. That's kind of an obsession of my life, probably for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it, really. Uh, Justice League comes out next week, so I'll be picking that up on Blu-ray. I rewatch Man of Steel, I'll rewatch Batman v Superman this weekend, and then I'll watch Justice League, and while I will still like Justice League, I will then immediately be dis- disappointed that it is not the trilogy under that Zack Snyder truly intended. Well, people uh, don't know what they want. Yep. This movie sucks, I don't want this. I'll get, get where's Zack Snyder cut? Well, yeah. A few people would have just, uh... Stuck out with him and just, you know, rode the train and just waited to see how things turned out. Seriously, if they would have just stuck out with it, Man of Steel, Batman Superman, Justice League would be such a unique, one-of-a-kind superhero trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, no other trilogy would be like that. You know, it's not like Avengers was Iron Man 3. But Justice League was really supposed to be, like, Man of Steel 3. Yeah. And it's not, because everyone lost their minds over Batman v Superman and the Warner Brothers lost their minds. And again, I still like Justice League. I still like it a lot, but even when we did the initial review, I outright admitted I could tell that it wasn't exactly what Snyder intended. Nope, and there's more time gone by. That's a movie I I think I was generally okay with when we first talked about it, but ever since then I really... I don't know if I have any interest in ever watching it ever again. Well, again, I, I stand by it, you know, no other superhero movie has made me pop as hard as that movie did, mm-hmm. but it is, it's just, it's so weird to consistently see, like, a bunch of people online being like, well, I mean, at least it was better than Batman Superman and Man of Steel, when, like, I'm just, like, very much not in agreement with that at all. Like, everything about Justice League is a downgrade from Batman v Superman. I agree with that. And it just, it's just weird. I don't know. But then, like, people keep on saying it's such an improvement, but then no one saw it. Yeah, well, we got Aquaman this year. Aquaman and oh, Shazam! Oh, yeah, everything that we've been seeing. You know, it's funny. There's set leak pictures of costumes from a Captain Marvel film and a Shazam film. And only in one of them does the character that was named Captain Marvel actually look like Captain Marvel. Yes. And I keep on seeing the internet react very positively to Shazam Captain Marvel. Whereas for the Marvel Captain Marvel, everyone was like, that's kind of weird. Why is it that color? Yeah, that's but, the, that, ever since I saw a picture, like, why is it green? But Shazam, everyone, like, everyone has just been like, Warner Brothers, where's the fucking official suit picture? Give it to us! This looks phenomenal! And it does. I'm a big Captain Marvel fan, and I'm getting super excited seeing those pictures. Uh, so I think I think Aquaman and, and Captain Marvel are both going to be really good DC movies. Again, Justice League came up short of what it should have been from Snyder's original vision. But even keeping that in mind, I still feel that Justice League made me excited for what's going to come next. The whole ending on, you know, we're in the era of, we're in the 
era of heroes now. Mm-hmm. So let's fucking get nuts. It's really funny. In 2019, there's two Captain Marvel movies coming out. Yeah, it's amazing. That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't even really put two and two together until just now. Although I think Shazam comes out first. Sweet. So people can see the real Captain Marvel. Do you think... He's probably going to be called Shazam in the movie, huh? Yeah, yeah. And that's what he's been called in New 52 and everything. Yeah, but he hasn't been in the New 52 that much. But it's, it's going to be... I'm sorry, Shazam. whatever it is now, now it's Rebirth. I don't know it if he's coming back up now. in Rebirth. So. I, he has shown back up, but I'm pretty sure he's still Shazam. Which is fine, whatever. I, I don't agree with it, but I get that's it. That's the name they have to go with. I'm sure it, it's easier for them just to keep marketing him as Shazam. Yep, I get it. With that, because it, for a while, the book was named Shazam, the character was Captain Marvel... And so might as well just... I hope they make a Captain Marvel reference, at least. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, try, yeah, I, I dig it, but I understand the uh, legal issue they're sitting with. And as far as when it creating a more brand collusion... I, I think it's more brand collusion as opposed to the legal thing, you know? Because they, they can't name the movie Shazam. I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could still 100% legally call the character Captain Marvel. Because that's apparently how the fucking trademark works that Marvel has. I mean, that's why he was still Captain Marvel for fucking decades and decades, even with Marvel having their Yeah, I'm own. trying to remember if the, like, the toys, like, re- like a couple years ago when Mattel made, like, the DC Universe Classics Captain Marvel figure. I don't know if they named it Captain Marvel. Nope, it was Shazam. It was Shazam. Okay, so everything, it's like... It, the the it, best it, thing, like, the best thing that you can, like, one of the things I remember was when Injustice was coming out. Like, in an advertisement in a magazine, there was a picture of, like, the fighting system... And it was uh, Captain Marvel fighting on a Green Lantern or something, and the name on the health bar was Shazam. Mm-hmm. But then when the game comes out, he's Captain Marvel. Okay. And everyone calls him Captain Marvel. So, so it's, no, it's so literally a marketing... They can't put it in ads. So it's entirely possible when the movie comes out, he, he could be in the movie Captain Marvel. From a legal standpoint, yes, but I doubt it. For the, what you just it. said, the you know, yeah. like brand recognition and um, just making sure everything syncs up better. I see a lot of people really confused that uh, Dwayne Johnson isn't going to be Black Adam in it. Yeah, I've been seeing that too. But you know what? I mean, that's a that's a casting thing they announced like a few years ago at this point. Uh, mm. People were excited to see that, so I get people being like, "Come on, fuck with Black Adam." What yeah, the fuck? yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. Why did they cast him and announce all that stuff if they didn't have any plans to use him for like years to come? I think it was literally just they knew or slash expected slash predicted slash gambled. Uh, that Dwayne was going to keep on increasing in value as an actor, mm-hmm. and that down the road he would be really expensive to get, so they wanted to sign him to a contract really early so that they definitely would have him in case he became, like, huge mega name in four or five years' time. Yeah. Which he finally has a hit on his hands, that Jumanji movie made really yeah, good money. finally. I didn't, I didn't see it. I'll see it sometime. I, something I, I have heard about. people say that it is shockingly really good. Yeah, I hear, I hear, I hear from shockingly really good. To it's okay. I didn't hear a ton of like it's negative. Like, I heard, I heard no so. negative things now. So, yeah, it's on the list. Check out, but no, it's I, what I would expect is that he'll have a cameo in the film. I'm hoping but for I, at least a cameo. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, Doctor Savannah being the main villain makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, I do, I, I do kind of hope that they go with what their original idea was that they were toying around like last year or two years ago, which was do this Captain Marvel movie then do a Black Adam movie, mm-hmm. and then do, like, Captain Marvel 2, where they actually fight. I think that's a really cool idea, and that's another one of those, like, a superhero trilogy that hasn't really happened before, and I dig that. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like Batman, and then the Joker origin story came out, and then they fought, or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, we're already getting a Captain Marvel movie. Anything beyond that's pure gravy. I mean, I agree with that. I'm getting my one Captain Marvel movie. He's my third favorite fucking superhero of all time, and now I have a live-action feature film of Superman, of The Flash, and of Captain Marvel. Yeah, I'm just... The rest of this year's going to be interesting, because obviously they got to start production at some point on Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman 2, anything, because next year it's going to be another one DC film the year. I would imagine they want to do at least two... Yeah, I think two year would be totally fine. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't mind the I don't mind them pumping the brakes. No, I don't. I don't either. I mean, I think I don't think I get burned out on two. It's when you have like three. That's when you're kind of starting to push it. Mm-hmm. That or you're running the issues where if you release them too close to each other. Like, yes, I don't. Like, what if they came? What if they had Justice League come out in November and then in fucking like. December or January, the Adam came out. Who would watch that? It'd be no, a waste. That's so crazy. Why, like, what studio would do that? What studio would do something so pointless? I heard somebody recently um, on a podcast when I talked about Avengers getting pushed forward because oh man, Disney wouldn't want to release two movies in one month. I just laughed. <laughs> like, motherfuckers, there was times when Disney was releasing, like, two movies a day. A day, yeah. That is, that is a very fair point where you would post, like, that Chris Evans gif of him just laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is such a ridiculous statement, especially what after what you and I went through, specifically. Yeah, <laughs> of, like, you. learning that firsthand. It's like, you guys, buckle up. You don't even know. <laughs> I mean, this isn't even, Disney isn't even full crazy mode. Do you think spending, like, $52 billion on Fox? Well, let me tell you about the time they released, like, Scandalous John and some weird movie about a monkey going into space on the same day. And that was just one week. Next Never week mind the rest movie. of the month, yeah. <laughs> Man, the 60s and 70s were weird for Disney. They didn't give a fuck. No, they were just going for it. You know, it's... I kind of sometimes wish we'd had that Disney back, where they just make weird movies all the time. Yeah, sometimes. And then that's not not just now, you know, not just comic book films mm-hmm. or mining the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I do feel like that was a Disney that was more willing to kind of be risky. Well, I mean, I mean, looking back at the whole movie movie empire. I'm sorry. The movie scene at the time, like you could, you could, you could afford to be more risky because movies weren't as expensive. I mean, that's true. That's true. And more people were going to movies. And if your movie doesn't cost that much, you can dump it on drive drive-ins like Roger Corman did, or just give anything a run. I mean, when your film only costs like a million dollars, or maybe one point five million dollars, I mean, yeah, it's not exactly hard to make your money back. And that is complete. That's that's that is a very fair rebuttal, and you're totally like, right. Like I just talked about Annihilation. That's only that movie only costs fifty million dollars, and it will not make its money back, which is a shame. Which is a big problem we talk about. It. Like there's no thirty to fifty million dollar films getting released that often anymore. Because and the ones that do are like horror films, which even tell they cost way less than thirty million. Yeah, and those can make money because like there's plenty to a market. But like as far as I guess. I, sorry, as far as my opinion, the quote-unquote good movies uh, like that aren't, you know, comic book, video game, comic adaptation, video game adaptation, or like a television show, re-adaptation, reboot thing, or a reboot, or a sequel, like those type, if you're not in those categories, you just have a hard as hell time making any money with it. Mm-hmm. 
or if you're not trying to be like a uh, an award film, like you're you know you're making a film that's not going to make its money back, but you're putting it out there because you want the prestige of winning a, an Academy Award or an Emmy or something, mm-hmm. which you know those categories fall in. So, uh, as far as movie news, uh, I think we alluded to most things. Nothing really beyond that. The Black Panther stuff. Obviously, the Academy Awards were this past weekend. Guillermo took home the Academy Award for Best Director and for uh, Shape of Water. Goddamn right he did. Which it's you know I I people all the time talk about uh, I I don't I I guess it's going back to you know comic book films people all, all the time talk about well this isn't the kind of film the Academy would nominate Academy has nominated some major genre films the last several years for Best Picture yeah they have and that's cool it's been a lot different than what you'd normally expect not to not to dig on it but like when you think like Twelve Years a Slave that is an Oscar like type of film where you're like yeah that's not surprising that that film won best picture right but things like birdman <laughs> shape of water that type of stuff is not the things i mean hell it it wasn't like too far out of reach the idea that um like fury road could have won something yeah given the like sheer amount of academy awards is winning now many of the other those are like technical stuff but but still it was getting so many that it could have happened yeah, it, it totally could have happened. I mean, that year I was really on board for George Miller winning Best Director for that film. No, he did not. But then again, when he comes to this year, and yeah, Guillermo winning Best Director for Shape of Water. Yeah. So it's just, it's just crazy. Craziness. Uh, that's, that's about it. Yeah, nothing no. really was happening. No, not really. Uh, there's that... New Lost in Space series coming to sci-fi or something. I didn't see anything for it. Uh, there's a trailer or something. I don't know. I don't know why we're going back to that well yet again. They did that reboot film that was pretty awful. I don't know why there's a new TV series. They made Mr. Smith the villain, 0 to 5. Because Mr. Smith <laughs> was my fucking jam on that show. It's true. No other character was worth a goddamn. Uh, and Death Wish should come out, I guess, uh... I think everything I hear about that film is kind of in the realm where I'm not surprised where if it was named anything else, it'd probably be fine. But it's Death Wish. But it's it's named Death Wish, which instantly is going to you know bring things to mind of other films named Death Wish. Uh, like we were talking about last week, I talked about The Exterminator. Yeah. This was just a remake of The Exterminator. <laughs> no one has an no- issue. No one would give a shit. It would just be like, people would go, oh, what the fuck is that? And then they'd go back and watch a really fucking awesome movie. But I don't know. I when it won't cost me anything, I'm sure I will give this movie a shot. Mm-hmm. But you know, but as far as how angry I was about the whole thing beforehand, because the mid of the marketing was rather offensive when you consider the, like the, the original film and everything it was kind of going for. Yeah. So I, I'm perfectly fine re- recanting some of my opinions towards it then but because it's march because that film came out because we're talking vigilantes last week we looked at dolph lundgren's iteration of the punisher this week we're moving on to a film uh that both of us will probably say is criminally underrated and definitely something that deserves to be uh checked out again uh, you know brought back up and rediscovered and that is 2004's the punisher starring thomas jane an undercover FBI agent becomes a vigilante assassin and sets out to unleash his wrath upon the corrupt businessman who slaughters his entire family at a reunion yeah, this film is definitely underrated. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those cases where I saw this film a lot in the theaters at the time. I dug the hell out of it. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed it. Now, it's the, the, the 
what makes this interesting is uh, just because I haven't seen it in several years, so like a, quite a long time. I part of me, my gut would tell me maybe the last time I watched it was maybe 2008, 2009. Okay, it's been that long. It's one of those films I saw a ton. So sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, I really like this film. I don't, I, I'll go back to it sometime. But you never, you just never think about, it, never get around to it. So we're about. 10 years of Marvel Studio films. We're in this whole new age of comic books slash superhero adaptations. Yeah. And uh, about halfway through this film, I was sitting there thinking, you know, this is really better than all of them. 80% of Marvel Studios films easily. Oh. It could could probably become an argument about like which film, like if it is actually better than all of them. Um, I, I'm not sure about all, I thought you were going to say, uh, better than, like, the movie, other superhero movies of that era. Um, in terms of Marvel Studio films, I think I'd agree with probably the 80% number. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I don't, I won't, I'm not going to sit here and make a blanket statement of, like, oh, they're all off, this is way better than all of them. No, because I, I think this is right up there with, you know, Captain America, First Avenger, the First Guardians, the mm-hmm. First Iron Man, uh, for what I care about, like, the first Thor film. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'd probably, uh, if this was a Marvel Studios movie that came out now, I think I'd probably rank it possibly in the top five. No, this would be, if this came out now, Steve, like, this was like, boom, Marvel Studios at the beginning, everything, all that stuff, and this exact same film came out now, I would say this is my favorite Marvel Studios <laughs> film. <laughs> it might be my favorite, but, like, I would still really love Iron Man, I would still really love Captain America 1. Uh, maybe- yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the problem, like, First Avenger is probably always gonna teeter up there yeah that's such a good movie uh but this will probably beat out the incredible hulk which is apparently like the black sheep of the mcu movies even though it's one of my favorites oh mine too i love that movie yeah it's great and it's got one of the best mcu villains the entire fucking 10 years of them making goddamn movies Mm -hmm. i love blonsky he's great yeah tim roth rules yeah tim roth rules and it just he has an arc and it makes sense and it's not fucking we're not talking about that we're talking about punisher well you know what (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about Thomas Jane, motherfucker. Let's talk about Thomas. I miss Thomas Jane as the Punisher. And the fact that he wanted this role so badly and they didn't give him the role for, like, the Netflix series is a goddamn crime. Because I've seen that new Punisher guy. He's okay. He ain't Thomas Jane. And he's no Frank Grillo. I'm gonna hold a grudge forever that Frank Grillo didn't get to be Frank Castle. I don't know who that is. Frank Grillo uh, rules. Frank Grillo is a, a character. He played uh, at Crossbones in Civil War and in... Uh, oh, yeah! Okay, yeah, 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 yeah! Soldier. Yeah, him. He's also in the uh, Purge, um, Anarchy and Purge election year, which he's essentially playing Frank Castle in those films. Going yeah. out killing motherfuckers. Frank Grillo rules. Like, let's just take this PSA moment to say, check out films of Frank Grillo in them, because he's awesome. Yeah, Frank Grillo is cool. He was... Always number one on my list because it was very clear we were never going to get Thomas Jane again for some stupid fucking reason. For some stupid so was, fucking reason. So on my short list, it was always number one Frank Grillo. And then he got casted as useless. But he wasn't on The Walking Dead, so he didn't get <coughs> Frank Castle. Oh, it's so fucking stupid. And he was handled so fucking poorly, which makes me fucking mad too. Fucking KG Beast got a better treatment in Batman v Superman than Frank got, Crossbones got in Winter Soldier. Or Civil War. Civil War, he shows up as kind of crossbones, and this then this sets himself on fire. Yep. Oh shit, I'm on fire. <laughs> oh shit, I'm the Human Torch! <laughs> uh, but Thomas Jane, like, what what sucks about Thomas Jane was he like, killed himself trying to stay in shape for years because he 
kept being kind of pulled along that they were going to make an, a sequel film. We might make the sequel, Tom! And it's just years and years and years to the point where he had to say, you know what, I guess we're just not doing this anymore because I can't. Mm-hmm. And this, which is part of why then there was Ray Stevens and Punisher Warzone. Mm-hmm. Which is fair, because that, that film called, when we get to it next week, that film calls for an entirely different kind of performance for Frank Castle. That's fair. So, I'm not going to, like, give either anybody shit for that whole thing. But, like, you know, when you think of, like, having to stay in shape, like, film, you know, ripped shape for four years, tr- just waiting to get a role, not even, like, training for the role you already have. Yeah. It's Just maybe. And it just sucks for me, because, again, you know, we're big fans of character actors here at movie films, and Thomas Jane rules also. Yes, he does. He's awesome. Every time he shows up at anything, he's the nicest fucking guy. I've never met him, but I would like to. I did. Um, at San Diego Comic Con 2000. Shit. Was it Dirty Laundry? No, it was way before that. Oh, okay. Um, it was when it was when the Mutant Chronicles was coming out. It was like a year after the Mist came out. <sighs> okay, yeah, that's like 08. So yeah, it must be 08. Maybe maybe 09. Mm-hmm. And he was. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you get signs up. You only talk to someone for like a minute, but even when he showed up, he was late, and he showed up like he was carrying tons of stuff because they're doing like this thing where um, they're kind of doing like a test audience thing for Mutant Chronicles, where everyone could go to a theater, watch the film, then submit like kind of notes on the film because mm-hmm. they were just kind of it was like a it was a small small production, so they were kind of shopping it around a lot. Yeah, and he shows up like a big stack of posters, and he's just walking like him. He's just walking along like he had like maybe one handler with him. He's just wearing his hat like, sorry guys, I got, I'm late, I got lost. <laughs> Walks over, plops his shit down, and just starts, you know, taking pictures of people, signing stuff of people. That's awesome. He was uh, very happy, because when The Mist came out, they did a panel at Comic-Con the year prior, and they had uh, Drew Struzan do a poster for the film, and they handed those out for free, and I picked one up, and I brought it that late year later to have Thomas Shane sign it, and he was all like, oh my god, the Drew Struzan poster and everything, he was just... He's a really nice guy to me and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And everyone I know that's ever seen him at conventions, talked to him at conventions, has the exact same things to say about him. He's just a cool, nice man. That's cool. That's great to and hear. So it's it's always nice to talk about films with people like that. Yeah. Who deliver great performances in the great film. So let's, let's, let's get into like talking about the meat and bones of the film itself. Okay. Um, obviously, I have my uh, notes of very specifics, but I think speaking generally about the film is that I think it is a very effective film that really tells its story very well. It has uh, some great emotions, but at the same time, this movie does a better job of having humor in it without shitting all over what the core and tone of the movie is than any fucking MCU movie. I agree with that. Um, because like this is a very dark, serious m- film with a very dark, serious story with a lot of serious emotions, but you can still have scenes like, need any help with underpants? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Which is hilarious! I laughed out loud when I saw that scene, but it wasn't a fucking chuckle fest. It wasn't a giggle fest of fucking bullshit proportions like, say, Thor Ragnarok is, where, like, any moment of seriousness has to be thrown out the fucking window. Like, no, this is how you do, you know, keep a sense of humor, but still tell a real story. Mm-hmm. Or like another great scene for that is when they're Rebecca Romaine, Ben Foster, and uh, John Panette. Nope, that does not be there. Give me hold on, hold on. This is quality radio. Yes, I got it right. Yeah, and John Panette, they're all <laughs> sitting down having the dinner, and they're like, "Oh, they're trying to be a character moment." They're all trying to get to know Frank. It's like, "So, you tell us something you're thankful for," and they're all saying stuff that's you know 
you know, personal stuff, and he's just sitting there like, thanks for dinner. Yeah, that was one of the lines I wrote down. I love that line. It's it, a nice little moment of brevity just because he's such a serious, like, serious uh, alcoholic character with some seriously fucked up things going on with him. Yeah, but he's still, it's a, it's a human moment, and it's a little funny without being like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's very in character, and it just gives you a light little moment of brevity. I mean, even then, even the um, you know, the Dolph Lundgren run still had stuff like that. Like, have a nice day. It's a very important thing with Frank, where he's not humorless, even though his soul is clearly black. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're, you're you hit the nail on the head there, totally. And and I was gonna say, even when it comes to obviously the, I guess tongue in cheek action scene you know, sequence there when he's fighting uh, Big Sexy. Oh, I loved that part of the scene with Big Sexy. The the fact that it is tongue in cheek. I love the fact that it's set to that Italian music. That his neighbors are having such a great time as he is dying. <laughs> And I love that, like, all of his, like, contingency setup plans just keep failing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a sequence you don't see that often, and there's, like, it's tongue-in-cheek in the sense that, like, Frank is legitimately in danger, but there's also kind of, like, a mutual humor respect, even, like, within the world of the characters, where, like, oh, I got my pistol, and then Big Sexy bends the barrel, and Frank's just like, fuck, come on, man. And then gets thrown through a wall. Yes! <laughs> Or, like, he stabs Big Sexy, and Big Sexy just shakes his head, like, nah, it ain't gonna work, bro! Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that sequence worked really well. And again, it's, it's more lighthearted, but it's not a fucking joke. Yeah. Well, it worked, it's such a good scene because you're showing, like, most of the time when it comes to Frank fighting people, he has, you know, because of his military training, everything, the character, he clearly has the upper hand, and he, he dispatches people easily, but then you're stuck in this kind of, physical fight which he cannot stand up to because he while he while he is uh you know skilled with weapons and some physicality he definitely can't stand up to like you know big sexy you know big um kevin nash you know looking like a super shredder yeah (laughs) coming in and just like being physically dominant and like just throwing him around beating the fuck up it takes a pan of boiling water and a tumble down a flight of stairs to stop him Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a great uh, action sequence, but also helps, you know, it's gonna have some chuckles, because you're like, you're seeing some horrific shit, like, not only does he pull the knife out of him, he then shoves the knife into Castle, and he's just, like, yelling, like, oh, shit, like, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it, it, it's, you're kind of laughing at it, because, like, oh, my god, this sucks for him. Yeah. How's he gonna get out of this? It's great. And then, um, in that scene, it's like, you get that scene where it's like, aha, a little light moment, and then you kind of transition into like really dark, serious shit. You're like, you're, you're. The film is like, okay, well, we had our little moment. It's time to get back to the serious nature of the film. Yeah, you have the, it. End it, that sequence ends on a nice little one last chuckle of you know, um, I'm fine. He's not pass out. Yeah, one, straight back, straight back, <laughs> straight back, Bob. Great chuckle, but then it gets directly into okay, time to torture your neighbor painfully and horribly because we're evil. Mm-hmm. It's not more jokes. It's like, hey, have fun. We're gonna have fun with this scene, but shit is still real. Yeah, there's still a dead man with a boiled face. Yeah, lying at the bottom of some stairs. Um, just backing. This is kind of jumped ahead. Backing up, like what I like about this film so much, especially at the beginning, is that they, they show they definitely quickly establish that. Frank is a good guy. Yeah, no one like, was supposed to die. Even when beginning, like, yeah, no one was supposed to die. Exactly. That line is so important to me because, like, it shows that shows how quickly this character like switches. Yes. 
Like, he's remorseful. He's like, oh, he's like a nice guy. He's a family guy. He's like, oh, no one's supposed to die. Like he's, Even though these are criminals that die, he's still remorseful because they didn't need to. They could have just been arrested and that, that. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't supposed to be all of this bloodshed. Yeah. Cut to then when uh, poor Roy Schneider and the rest of his family get brutally gunned down and then, you know, his wife and child are run over with a truck. Mm-hmm. Man, that whole sequence is heavy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sitting there like, tearing up a bit like oh my god this is like it's shot well it's it's done so compellingly like just when frank collapses there after getting shot and he's just trying to shoot them and the gun's empty and it's like you see this utter sense of defeat that he can't do anything i like how those those four gangsters are just walking towards him with absolutely no information that the gun was empty they just don't care (laughs) i just thought it was kind of funny Mm -hmm. like what if you were wrong two of you three of you could have died not a big deal. Just thought it was yeah, funny. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I give up some <coughs> thematic No, absolutely. Things. I mean, and so that's great. So then when you see the transformation, when, you know, he's, he's healed by a uh, uh, nice, nice uh, local man. The voodoo man. Voodoo man. He, he hooks him up. And it's just me, like, God be with you. Uh, God's going to set this one out. Oh, such a good line. Um... Yeah, um, while we're in that uh, scene, um, a couple things that I want to point out that I like before I forget is that I like uh, Travolta's introduction. I like little lines of like, um, you know, he he uh, did this deal because he wanted to impress you. Like, my son didn't need to impress me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that sort of thing because I think it really, uh, it humanizes someone who is irredeemable, that he still actually cares about his family mm-hmm. um, very early on. And, um, I love that Frank Castle's dad is just gun-ready. Like, I like that he's right there with Frank shooting a bunch of, bunch of, uh, of these guys before he himself dies. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting parallel, because, you know, you're, you're cutting between a family celebrating being together and being there with each other, and you're cutting over to, you know, Howard Saint and Olivia and all them, like, burying their son. and mm-hmm. like Find out everything you can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then, boom, into, you know, kill the entire family. Yeah, and I thought that was really important. I like the idea that Saint himself was just, like, kill Frank and his wife in order to establish that she is also a piece of shit um, is the one that's saying kill the entire family. Mm-hmm. I dig that a lot. Also, um, these diamond, these earrings are beautiful. Uh, without you, they're just diamonds. So smooth. Mm-hmm. Holy totally. shit! Like I'm, re- it's... I'm remembering that line forever. I'm gonna say it to my wife. Uh, fortunately, she's not in the room right now, so she won't know I took that from the Punisher movie. <laughs> That's what I pick up my best pickup lines from. The Punisher. <laughs> you know, and someone's like, "I want some more ice." I say, "Come on up," and then I <laughs> place an anti-personnel mine in the ice. Yes, perfect. And I'm like, "Aha, smooth." <laughs> I mean, just that's just. I mean, I, 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 you know, when you when you look up, uh, you know, when you watch a film, you're like, oh, what did people of the time think of it? Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of shitting the writing and stuff. And I feel like the writing is actually really good. I thought the film. writing in this was up, great. It sets up a lot of things, like with Olivia. Your phone's on vibrate, by the way. Great. Good to know. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, like when it sets up Olivia telling uh, Howard to like kill the family, it establishes that she has a lot of power and a lot of pull over him. So yes, when Frank is, you know, establishing that sense of uh, questioning about her and everything, it's that much more powerful. And how he was willing to kill an entire family for this woman, 
and because of these things, and because of the stress of what Frank's doing to him and everything else, makes him crack and makes him question her and immediately betray her and just like, well, th- think she's betraying him and just dump her off a fucking bridge on the train tracks. Yeah. And not only that, then also murder his best friend. <laughs> oh my god, I mean, I don't, we'll go back again, and but since we're skipping ahead, yeah, Frank's entire, re- well, not revenge, punishment. Uh, but every the way it happens is so sweet. It, yeah. it tastes so good. It's so and it's so well thought out, and it's and it's so long term too, which I really dig. I appreciate the film for not being uh, not not representing its villains too cartoonishly. Like as far as like the main villains, obviously like the guy uh, um, Howard Heck from Memphis or whatever it was. Uh, that's that's silly, but that's I feel that that kind of fits the comic book quota of the film as long as with Kevin Nash as the Russian. Yeah, but as far as it comes to. Um, what, what what was uh, 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 Saint's uh, best friend's name? Cross. Cross. Thank you. Oh God, it's IMDb's fucking. Or no, uh, is it Glass or Cross? Well, let let me see here. Oh, what am I doing? Let's go to fucking Wikipedia. Tell well, Pat. Yeah, Quentin Glass. Glass. Sorry. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. like when when I, I like how those make them super cartoonish. Like when you know, yeah, uh, when uh, Howard goes to kill Glass. He's uh, he's reacting like a person, like Howard, like Howard, don't do this. Like he's like legitimately in pain, like begging like Howard not to kill him and all this other stuff. Yeah. So the film is still not uh, kind of humanizing it, but mostly making preparing everyone realistically. So it yeah. makes just what Howard's doing, I guess, that much worse. Like he's legitimately killing someone that still considers Howard a friend and has done nothing wrong, but because of and doesn't what, want to really want to fight back because they've been friends for twenty years. Oh, for sure, and you know that's just how like how severe and how like not awful because it's it's just that, but just how um, heavy like what Frank's doing to these people is. Mm-hmm. Just everything he has going on there, it's just it makes it that much more sweet. And uh, even even to the even kind of in the finale of the film. Oh yeah, that's just it's so good. It's really good. It's really so, fucking so good. good. Before I get into that, though, I want to talk about the music of the film. Yeah, I liked the music, but you apparently loved the music. Uh, Steve, when this film came out, I had to... It was This is, you know, 2004. It wasn't exactly easy to order stuff online at that point. We hadn't really caught it to the point where I today. I had to go down to my local music store. It was an independently run store, and because I knew they could do this. They, I had to have them specifically order me the soundtrack for this film. Whoa. To which I got the soundtrack for the film, you know... But you'd see in Walmart and places of all the songs and everything. To which I had to say, no, I didn't want this one. I wanted the score to the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which I own on CD. I love the score to this film. It was a good I score, would, yeah. I would put it up there as one, definitely one of the best of comic book adaptation films. You know, especially compared to the Marvel Cinematic User Universe. Oh, films, by comparison, there's no fucking contest. Yeah, where it's just all of it is background tracks. There's really nothing distinct, nothing interesting. This film, I think, the main opus of the film is very fitting for the character. It fits a lot of what is going on with the character of the Punisher and Frank Castle in this film. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the just everything. It's, it has a lot of emotion. It fits the scenes. It it's definitely it's, you know we talk about maybe like maybe a while back when we talk about the guest you know the the music almost being a character of itself in the film I think the soundtrack does it here for sure mm-hmm. which is something that's dreadfully lacking in most uh, especially comic book films nowadays yeah and so I, I I don't know that's that's a big thing for me I I've always loved the soundtrack so I will definitely give it a plus I if I, if I have one complaint about the soundtrack it's mostly when it comes to the ending credits we go back to you know. 
mid two thousands, we have to have some butt rock song be over our ending credits. Yeah, but of course, at least that's the that's the end credits. I know. Yeah, for, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It's just you know the film ends on silence on Frank Castle, then fade to black, then do do. You knock you down. Wake me up. Wake me up, Sam. Let the butt. Which that song was used in the trailer, so. Yeah. Uh, man, Drowning Pool made a lot of money off of trailers for movies back in the early 2000s. Good for those kids. Could buy a lot of heroin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when it, like, yeah, just the music stuff, like when Frank is coming out of, you know, you can symbolize things. Like he's coming out of hell, you know, he's, he's being resurrected yet again to go off and get his revenge. Mm-hmm. When he goes off to, uh. Uh, Saint and Sinners, the name of Howard Saint's club. When you go, like he has all these people. Which could correct me so much is he's gathered everyone at this club to go hunt down Frank, and he's only offering them fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, Jesus Christ, what a cheapskate! Well, part of that too is that you know, like I feel like when you watch this movie, if you don't, if you just watch it in passing, you assume that he's like some mega huge crime lord, mm-hmm. but really he's just a money launderer. Like he's just a banker. Like, one of the things that really works for me in the movie um, is that, I mean, I actually really like Travolta as this villain. I think he does a good job. I do, too. I do, too. Um, But, like, one of the scenes that really, really establishes what he is and, like, how much power he actually has is that when uh, the, um, I don't know, what Latin country are those two criminals from that visit him? Oh, no, they're they're from, I mean, they, they operate in Florida. Oh, okay. It seemed like they flew in or something. Regardless, regardless, but they they were just like, hey, we heard you lost a boat, and Travolta's character's like, I had 14 fucking shipments, I lose one, and what the fuck is this, why are you even here to intimidate me? There's no insurance to this business, fuck you, if you got a problem with it, you can come take me on, but guess what, I have more fucking guns than you. 13 out of 14 shipments went off a hitch, get out the fuck out of my face. And then they leave, and Glass is like, uh, sir, we don't have more guns than them. And he's just like, uh, yeah, well, we just have to make them think that. Like he, like he has power. He has money, but he's not this multi-billion-dollar fucking ultimate crime lord. He's a ba- yeah. Like the Toros even tell him, like we can just go to another bank. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and I think that's really important. So I think like him offering fifty on one hand, what a fucking cheapskate. But on the other hand, maybe he doesn't have that much money. <laughs> well, it's like okay, each one of you gets fifty thousand dollars to come with us. The person who kills Frank gets another fifty thousand dollars. Oh man, I'm gonna risk my life for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. How much? How much was he fucking paying the Russian and the guy from Memphis? Seriously, let's do that. Yeah, I like. I, I, I like Del Mariachi. It's cool <laughs> for Antonio Banderas to reprise his role in this film. No, Steve, that was Chow and Fat. <laughs> I forgot this is what Jap- this is a Japanese movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the way Jackie Chan played John Travolta was super impressive. <laughs> it was just the best. Oh man. Uh, uh yeah, that was that was good too. That was a nice little sequence. I like how it's like I was working on this car, all these things built up just to just to fuck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what killed me is that this looks like a pretty open area. Why is there a kid playing with a basketball in the middle of the street? Yeah, why is that kid there? <laughs> I cracked me up a bit. Um, um I really like the popsicle torture. Yeah, that was a good scene, and, it, and I think it still kept true. Like this, like we talk about different versions of the Punisher. You know, this is that kind where yeah, he wants to see Punisher on truly guilty people, but he knows uh, that um, 
He knows that this guy's like just some fucking schmuck that has never hurt anyone. Yeah, he knows Mickey isn't like he's just a, yeah, you can say he's a schmuck. He's just a small time pot dealer that just happened to get caught up in a bad like arms deal type situation. Yeah, he's not. And plus, he knows he can utilize him to exact his revenge. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll utilize the small time guy to get the guy that he really thinks is the one that he should be killing. Yeah, something that I feel that people forget is that Frank, generally speaking, obviously. Because every writer has their own interpretation, and there's no wrong interpretation. But to me, generally speaking, like, some people seem to think that Frank wants to kill every single bad guy. And I don't think that's what Frank Castle is. No. I think Frank is just after... He's like Batman in the sense that, like, people always like, Oh, Batman's beating up these people just trying to get food. Like, no, Batman is not beating up the guy that stole $20 from the 7-Eleven. Yeah. Batman's going after people that are hurting other people, and that's what Frank is doing. Mickey, mm-hmm. he hasn't hurt anyone. He's just a shit-ass employee of the guy he wants to kill. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not actually going to hurt him. He'll fuck with him, though. Mm-hmm. You smell burning meat and then cold. Oh, meat. my God, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really good. And, like I said, like, the finale of the film is, I think, excellent. Like, how quickly, like scientifically he dispatches all of these fucking dudes yes and the guy who gets the worst is kind of the guy who killed his father like b- shoots his fucking foot off stabs him in the gut with the bowie knife and then rams a knife up through his uh up through his um bottom jaw into his upper jaw yep and he just claps down gargling blood you killed my son both of them oh god even he's yeah pinned there's like you ever try asymmetrics <laughs> You look like a pretty strong guy. Pretty strong guy. Eight pounds. Eight pound anti personnel grenade. Put on an outstretched arm. Hell of a workout. You can't leave me here. It's oh, it's so good. Yeah, just the coldness of it too. He's like, he's he's dishing it out. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, that's what it should be. You know, mm-hmm. fucking Travolta tries to justify it, like you killed my son. Just like, uh, I mean, you killed my whole family. So I made you kill your wife and your best friend. And I killed your other son. You yeah. you made this happen, motherfucker. <laughs> the, the sense of total defeat and understanding, like, Howard Saint just, like, can't even say anything. He starts, like, moaning and crying. Like, he's like, oh, my like, whole world is crumbling behind me. As, as Frank grabs my foot and is just dragging him along the ground. As all of his cars blow up and it looks <laughs> yeah, super yeah, as sick. Yeah, he ties him to the back of the car, puts it into, like, dr- like this you know, drive and just has it run off into a used car lot and everything explodes. Yep. A lot of people kind of dig dog on it, like, oh yeah, he said why he's supposed to be like the Punisher skull. That's pretty stupid. Like, I don't I care. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's a comic book film. You have to have a little silliness in there sometimes. Yeah, that's again, that's the thing. Like this film knows it's a comic book film without being a fucking chuckle fest. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's really missing these days from Marvel movies, especially. Yeah, I mean, this is that time period where. Because they're trying to be serious comic films, sometimes they're a little too overcorrected. Yes. Agreed. Like, I really like the Ben Affleck uh, Daredevil film, but there's some things that maybe take a step too far is what causes some issues for the film. Mm -hmm. But this film, I think, it it rides that line perfectly. I agree. And it just makes it just, you know, a great time, great adaptation and stuff. And plus, you know, this film has a love interest, but not a... Not in the way where it's, like, at the end of the film, they're together. Or, like, Rebecca Main's character is, like, dying or being kidnapped or something. She's just there as kind of kind of help Frank along and understand that, you know, he shouldn't drink himself to death, that he, good memories can save him. Yeah, uh, well, like, the three neighbors are taken from a very specific Punisher storyline. I forget which one. 
Uh, but, okay. like, they came from the comics. So they basically just took that plot and placed it into this film in a slightly different way. And I think, as you said, uh, the Rebecca Romaine's character is a romantic character, but not in the sense that she's being used as a romantic character. You know, and her, her purpose of the film, in this specific arc, is to give Frank the mindset that he doesn't have to die as soon as his story here is over. You know, without her character, I think this Frank would have been okay with just fucking shooting himself. Yeah. But she's right. You know, new memories can replace the bad ones. And in the very least, he's making new memories, killing more bad guys. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that, like, the character of Joan that she's playing, like, needs Frank just as much as kind of Frank needs someone like her to kind of bring him out of it. Yeah. Like, she needs, she's wanting him as a sense of stability and stuff, and maybe, like, him being there kind of helps her understand that maybe she can maybe she can also correct her own mistakes and not just be with weird guys who are going to punch her neighbors and then get whacked in the head with yeah uh, uh, um, butterfly knives shouldn't play with knives <laughs> that 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 clip is used in the trailer and it's kind of like oops. not in the trailer sorry i uh, i have one of the early blu-rays that the, i think the like the first blu-ray came out for this film and like it has like one of those classic things you see on that time where it's like it's a bare bones release so it's like they couldn't figure out how to put anything on these movies besides just the movie itself yeah and one of those trailers was like oh man blu-ray <laughs> oh, and like the clip used to the punisher is just that whole bit and i'm like this is strange <laughs> why pick that scene i know right do you not know what really you're how to market this film at all i don't know uh, one thing I like about the film is the kind of, when it comes to, like, shooting and stuff, is, like, when Frank first leaves the force going off, he's kind of, like, walking into the light, carrying a, a, a duffel bag wearing light colors, but in this film, he's kind of exiting the film in dark colors wearing, carrying a duffel bag. He's always carrying a duffel bag. Yes. And, like, kind of transitional scenes into, like, new kind of arcs for the character in the film. Yeah, I think that's really cool. In the beginning the of the film, that... his duffel bag is carrying hope, and in the end, the film is carrying guns. Yes, carrying death. Like, you start going off to start a new life and going out to end many lives. You know, not not the most kind of uh, deep thing, but a nice touch nonetheless. Something I don't think a lot of, uh, especially, again, we keep saying a lot, a lot of comic book films nowadays don't think they ever really strive for much things like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any other key points or big things I'd uh, like to talk about. Go ahead. I, I like the, I, the fact that Glass is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I mean, I, it's specifically used in the film, so it's there for a reason, but it's just kind of, again, another just realistic thing that this, you know, fucking tough mobster guy who is completely masculine is also gay. Ma- mas- masculine? Yes. What did I say? You said, you said masculine? Masculine? Ma- mescaline. Mescaline, yes. There we go. Cool. Um, Got it. And I like in this one that Frank outright announces that he's alive. It's not like, is this Frank Castle? Is Frank back? It's him showing up and the news agencies and him just being like, hey, um, why is no one in jail? Okay, I'm going to fucking take care of this now. Bye. Yeah, I just like when uh, him just ripping off his tombstone and leaving it. (laughs) You are going to believe this. I think I will. (laughs) It's a good sequence. Just even his, like, uh, coming to acceptance of it. Like, well, maybe he just didn't want... Maybe death wasn't enough for him. Maybe he wants to suffer more. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be with his family. I'm giving him what he wants. He's sad. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't like Frank being sad. So, so kill him. Mm-hmm. Also, it's kind of weird, though, that he knows exactly where Frank lives in order to send the Russian, but he doesn't just send all of his guys. Well, I, I part of me was kind of... Uh... 
in the realm of i mean obviously you, yeah that's a criticism of the film's uh writing in that regard but part of it's also like hey we're gonna pay you go find this guy and they track him down there and then, and then find out he's alive yeah yeah yeah, and then because he's dead, it's like, well, let's let's go take care of business. It's not a huge deal. Just one of the things I noticed. Um, That's fair. I mean, the film's not without some criticism of you know how it was kind of put together. I think my only main criticism, and it's not, and it's not a criticism because this movie is good, and this choice one thousand percent works for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think I prefer Frank's family getting killed by chance. I think I prefer the idea of Frank and his family just being on a picnic and getting shot down by random. I think that, to me, drives the Punisher character a lot more in the sense that he wants to kill everyone that's like that, as opposed to it being a very specific revenge against Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I understand why they didn't do that for this movie. I understand that they wanted the personal villain, the personal uh, versus revenge story on both sides. And it works in this film, and it's very well written. But I think just on a personal subjective level, I prefer Frank's family getting killed by random gangsters because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's fair. That's really the only... That's the only negative I have. And again, it's not really a negative because it works... It's it's not this movie. And it's not supposed to be this movie, but in the same sense that, you know, if we were reviewing the Michael Keaton Batman movie, I would complain that the Joker killed Batman's parents instead of Joe Chill. Yeah. That's all. That's still that's still something I don't particularly care for in that film. Yeah, but again, it is what it is, and I get why he did that back in the day. In the same sense that I get why they had Travolta um, specifically mm-hmm. target Frank for a specific reason. Yeah, as far as like origin films, it's, it does a pretty good job of establishing the character. Agreed. Um, looking at my thing, I don't know if I have any other stuff. Although I guess yeah, we were kind of bridged this briefly. I like how. When it came to Lundgren's character, he was someone wanting, wanting kind of a recent death, even so much to like letting someone attempt to kill him. And in this film, Frank is dealing with suicide to the point where by the end of the film, he's sitting there drinking his wild turkey, but going to put that gun or, gun barrel underneath his mouth and just you know kill himself, like he's like close to really doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a again we talk about interpretations of char- the the Punisher character and different ways you can go with it. I think that, you know it's cool that they kind of tread that water. Yeah. And then again, the ultimate you know saving grace of you know good memories. Hey, you know. You don't, have to kill, you don't have to drink yourself to death. You don't have to kill yourself. You can you can survive. Yeah. And the message Frank gets from all this is like, I must go kill more people. <laughs> well, those are his happy memories, is killing people. So he's making <laughs> he's making new memories. Getting revenge for my wife has been great. I must keep doing this. <laughs> oh, you also killed my wife. <laughs> so, I think about wraps it up. So. Uh, Final thoughts for me. Hey, if you haven't seen this film in forever, check it out. This film rules. I think this movie is way better than what the Netflix Punisher series is. At least based on the episodes that I've watched, which is only a few, I admit. But, like, I think this is what the Punisher should be when it's being played straight. I think this is the perfect interpretation of the Punisher in those terms. Um, I know I know offhand that Warzone is more over-the-top insanity, which I think I'm going to enjoy. But I think in terms of, like, playing it straight, legitimate Punisher, like a Punisher that would exist in the rest of the Marvel Universe or something like that, this is the way it should be played, where it is serious, it is dark, but there's still some lightness to it from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really good. This is a good movie. I forgot how good this movie was. Yeah, it was one of those cases where I remember liking the film and really, you know, like, you know, enjoying the film, but, you know, it's been so long, I... I 
can watch it with new eyes and have, be a little more more well read in my film appreciation, so I can I, I recognize more things and see where they're going with more things. And, and especially again after like ten years of Marvel f- studio film, seeing this film, it's like whoa, like like shine like God's light is shining down on me. Yeah. It's like oh this thing this thing's incredible. <laughs> why do, why do people not like this film? I don't get. Yeah, it. I don't get why people don't like it either. I don't know. It's so strange. Whatever. So star writing, Steve, what do you give The Punisher 2004? Four and a half. Four and a half. Uh, I'm also very solid four and a half stars. Yeah. So uh, definitely get out there and check it out. It's easy to track down. It's not exactly a hard film to find. So do yourself a favor and revisit this one if you haven't seen it for a really long time. And if you do check it out, please let us know what you thought about it by emailing us at moviefilmsbillandsteve at gmail.com. You can also find all of our episodes on our Tumblr, moviefilmsbillandsteve.tumblr.com, so you can check out all the other episodes from this month, especially when next week when we talk about Punisher Warzone. And you can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. Just look us up, subscribe, like the page, leave a comment, leave a, star, five, leave a five-star review. That'd be so nice of you. And as always, I am on Twitter at Bill. And, of course, you can check out my film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. And if you want to see me be a superhero, Facebook.com slash TheAmazingSpiderSteve. And, of course, Google my name, not Google my name, search my name on Amazon Video. You'll find a bunch of my movies that you can stream for free if you're a Prime member, or you can rent them for, like, a dollar to a couple bucks each. Worth a dollar if it makes you laugh. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. I have work to do. Read your newspaper every day and you'll understand. What section? Obituaries. But a lot of people die, Frank.